right, well, please open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1 uh, this evening. I'm very, very excited about this passage. Uh, and so uh, as you get to Philippians chapter 1, uh, I wanted to point out one more thing. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, my wife and I are basket cases whenever it comes to anything and everything. So we need more prayer than any other missionaries that you know. So please take one of our prayer cards and... Uh, uh, just uh, we, our numbers on the back. Just text us every now and again, saying that you're praying for us. But just please pray for us. That's the biggest thing, uh, because we need it more than anybody else that that you guys know. Uh, so please, please do that. Uh, and so we're very thankful uh, for the opportunity once again, Pastor. Uh, but Philippians chapter one is is something that's uh, very, very uh, deep in my heart because I love Paul's heart in this. Uh, you know, Paul ends up writing this book. Uh, and he writes this uh, book focusing on joy, right? And so he writes this book from prison, and it, it kind of doesn't make sense to me as to how he could write a book on joy while he's been uh, falsely accused, while he's been illegally arrested and beaten. Like, it, doesn't, it didn't make sense to me for the longest time as to why that happened. And then I realized that he wasn't focused on himself in this passage. You know, the reason that he could find joy is because he was focused on the Lord and what God has called him to do. And so as we see in uh, Philippians chapter 4, he says to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He, sa- he doesn't say rejoice in his own circumstances or find joy in well, what his life is like or what his success is like. He's saying find joy in the Lord. And then he says in uh, verse 12, as we see in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, that's where we're going to begin this evening. He says, I want you to understand something. Brethren, he says, I want you to understand that the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He says that all these bad things that have happened to him, he wants, he's, again, he's writing this to update a church that has supported him uh, through prayer. And uh, so he's writing to this church and he's saying, hey guys, look, everything that's happened to me, I want you to understand, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. That's the whole reason. You know, I, I, can't, I can't think that Paul just started this off out of the blue. I really believe that Paul started this off with the Great Commission. I think that's where this all began. Because Jesus ended up coming, came down, and he lived out the gospel, right? He ended up dying on the cross for our sins. And he paid the, the sin debt that we couldn't do. And whenever that happened, he died, and three days later, he rose again from the dead, defeating death. And with his last final breath before he ascends into heaven, he tells the believers, his disciples, he tells them one last thing, one last command, go into the world and tell them about me. And that's what I think that Paul's life is about. And uh, uh, something, I went to South Africa back in May and my uncle told me an analogy. I just can't get over it. So I'd love to tell you guys it because it is awesome. And I'm a unique guy, I'm weird. And so this is a weird analogy. So maybe you guys will remember me because of it. But, you know, Pastor here, he's a very fashionable guy. I mean, he's got a nice cleaned up beard. He's got a nice blazer on. I mean, he's just a sharp, sharp guy, right? Uh, but one day, Pastor, in all of the church, I guess you guys weren't having midweek service for some reason. Uh, maybe everybody got mono because of me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not contagious. Uh, but uh, let's say that you guys weren't coming here for an entire week. And so whenever that happened, he said, hey, Chase, you know, I want you to go ahead and I want to surprise the church. So I want you to remodel the, the auditorium for us. So just go ahead and paint the, paint the walls for us. Let's just start with that. I was like, okay, I can paint the walls in about a week. 
And so uh, I start preparing everything the first day, and everything's looking good, and then I start painting. And you know, me being a 22-year-old, I started getting bored. I mean, it's just, a, it's just painting. I mean, there's not much else to do. So I'm starting to think of how I can make this better for the pastor. You know, make things better looking for the church, because that's ultimately what he wants. Uh, just make it better. So I'm starting to think, you know, my little sister, she loves unicorns. So you know what I decided to do? I decided to start painting unicorn murals all over the church auditorium. I'm thinking, man, this is going to look good for Pastor and for the church. He's going to love this. Uh, And so Pastor comes in the night before the church service. uh, Because apparently you guys didn't have service that morning. But Sunday night, well, Pastor Ben was going to be preaching. So Pastor over here, he is very, very nervous right, right about now. And he starts ringing me out. And so he says, Chase. I gave you a simple task. Just paint the church. Why are all these unicorns on my walls? And I'm like, I just, uh, blah, blah. I thought it'd make it look better for you. Chase, I gave you one simple task. Just paint the walls this color. Why couldn't you do that? It was a simple task. And I started to think, you know, in our Christian lives, that's the same thing because God has given us a simple task to go into the world and preach the gospel. And yet sometimes we find ourselves painting unicorns. You know, the truth of the matter is that we need to focus on the furtherance of the gospel. And I think that's exactly what Paul was doing in this, in this passage. He's focusing everything in his life on what God has called him to do to get the gospel to the world. And so he updates this church about this. And that's why he can find joy. Because it's not in himself. It's in what God is doing in his life. And it's through God that he can find joy and that we can find joy. But I want to show you that if you have this attitude that Paul has of just focusing solely on what God has called you to do, to further the gospel, I truly believe that God will bless you. I mean, truth be told, there's some people in here that probably like me who are saying, man, I'd really love to be used by God. And truth be told, you can if you have this attitude. And I want to show you because the next couple of verses, Paul updates his church and he starts telling them about how God has been blessed in his ministry. So if you look at verse 13, verse 13 says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. You know, Paul actually brags about his chains in Ephesians chapter 6. Whenever, whenever he's there, he's not, he's not riding uh, to this church saying, Guys, please pray that I get out of here. But you know, if I was in this place, I'd be writing to pastor and I'd be saying, hey, pastor, please get your church to pray that I get out of here. And I'm a good Baptist, so I really like my comfort foods. I'd be asking the Lord, I'd be saying, Lord, get me out of here. I need some good Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell. I mean, I need some good comfort, right? Please get me out of here. I'd be focused on myself, right? Because that's a lot of times what us Christians do. We focus on what might work best for us. But you see in this, in this verse, Paul isn't focused on himself. He's focused on the furtherance of the gospel. And so in verse 13, he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest. You see, he's focused more on the gospel getting out. And so instead of saying, Lord, get me out of here, you know what he says? He says, hang on a second. So I'm, I'm chained up to these men for hours at a time. You mean to say, I can preach the gospel and they can't run away from me. 
So he just starts telling people about Jesus, and he starts telling this guy and this guy, and, I mean, they're thinking they're the ones in jail because they're locked up to him, but he's just continuing to preach the gospel, and he's just excited about it. He's not scared. Remember, he's on trial. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die, but nevertheless, he is just telling people about Jesus. And by the end of his boldness, Christ is manifest, is made known, and the palace and the, guard, uh, the guards that are uh, around him and in all the other places. The gospel is getting out because he is focused on the gospel getting out. And that's the crazy thing about it because, my dear friends, if we focus on getting the gospel out to the world, you know what's going to happen? The gospel is going to get out to the world. It's really, really crazy, uh, simple math for me. Whenever you talk about Jesus, people hear about Jesus. But the question begs, why are there not as many people hearing about Jesus as there ought to be? And the answer, if it is simple math, is because we're not talking about Jesus the way we ought to. But you see, Paul, his boldness, oh man, it is not, it is not just for himself. It starts going off on other people too. Look at verse 14 with me. In verse 14, it says this. It says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul's situation, his chains, gave confidence to the saved. You see that? His chains gave confidence to the saved. Paul uses his situation so much that people everywhere are hearing about how he's preaching and teaching. People are getting saved. Paul isn't afraid of what's happening. And his boldness stirs others to be bold as well. My dear friends, that tells me that boldness is contagious. But what are we bold about? What are we bold about? Paul was bold about the things of God, the furtherance of the gospel. And because of it, other people became bold about that. You know, truth be told, I give this silly example. I, I love college football. Uh, I grew up in South Africa for about six years of my life. I mean, whenever national championship came around, we would wake up at seven-hour time difference. So we'd wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. to watch the national championship. Uh, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, I mean, we lose every year, but, uh, I mean, uh, not this last year, so in your face. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was last year that I can brag, so I, I have been. <laughs> but, uh, no, truth be told, is it's a silly example, but how many times do we talk more about a college sport than we do the amazing grace of our God? You know, that's a convicting thing because it's not just college football. My point is, is how many times do we talk more about the things of ourselves or of our lives or our success or our families more than we do the amazing grace of God that we know is the gospel? You see, the only thing that is worth talking about truly is Jesus. And that's a, something that a lot of us Christians need to change. Something that I need to change in my life because if we're not bold about Jesus, that means that people around us are not going to become bold about Jesus. And if we truly want to reach this world, if we want South Africa to become saved, to be reached, we want the rest of Washington to be reached with the gospel, then the only way that that's going to happen is if each and every one of us become bold with the gospel to be excited about Jesus, 
You know, my friend, whenever I was in Bible college, uh, I, I started Bible college, and uh, a, a young guy from Tennessee ended up coming down. His name was Nate Wilkerson. He is a nut. I mean, uh, he came down, and he, he started an Instagram account called Christ is Life. Uh, so if you go on it, it's got like 40,000 followers. I mean, it is awesome. He is just an awesome guy. He is a man of God. He's a missionary in West Africa now. But whenever he came to the Bible college, uh, everybody was different. And then he'd come up, and every conversation he'd have with you, he'd say, Christ is life. Christ is life. Hey, what'd you eat today? Uh, McDonald's. But Christ is life. And by the end of it, guess what everybody was saying? Christ is life. You know, it's crazy. That, I mean, he is a, a great man of God, but just a simple quote, his boldness of just saying Christ is life got everybody else in the Bible college bold enough to say Christ is life. You know, it is very simple. We just have to become bold about Jesus. We got to stop allowing this, this, uh, this society that we now live in of where our spiritual walk is something that's private. We got to stop taking that and we got to start talking to people about their actual spiritual walk because the nine, I'm 99% sure that the majority of the, the population around here is not saved. And that's something that's sad because we've got to start going out and being bold about Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul did. And the cool thing, I'm telling you, if you become bold, other people around you will become bold as well. And then there's a team going. I mean, imagine if everybody in here was as bold as Paul. That'd be a pretty amazing thing, right? I mean, imagine how much of Washington would be reached if we just made the decision to stop talking about the things about ourselves or our success or, or whatever it is, but just to talk about Jesus. I mean, that'd be an amazing thing. How this world would be changed if we were to talk like that. But Paul, he starts talking about that, and it's because of his care. <coughs> you see, he's, he's not worried about, about himself. He's worried about other people's souls. And so... I, uh, I realized that uh, I love World War II. And in World War II, uh, there was this one veteran. Uh, but I heard the story about it. Some of you may have heard of him. Uh, but his job during the battle was to go out, and his job was to grab the injured and bring them back to get medical attention. I, I don't know what that's called, but he'd go out and he'd grab one, and the sergeant would demand more. So he'd go out and grab another and bring them back, and the sergeant would demand another. By the end of the day, this dude is, this man is exhausted. And the sergeant's like, hey, go rest up for tomorrow. And the guy's like, you know what, I'll just get one more. So he runs out and he grabs another and brings it back. Sergeant's like, okay, you can go. He's like, just one more. So he runs out by six, six, seventh, eighth time. Sergeant starts catching on to what's happening. And he's like, why don't you just stop? Why don't you rest up so that you can do better tomorrow? And his answer kind of startled the sergeant because he said, look, if I don't go out there and grab that one more, that man could have easily died, and I could have saved him if I just went out. So he said, I just wanted one more. And I truly believe that's Paul's heart. Because he realized that if he wasn't the one telling this guy over here about how he was on his way to hell because he wasn't trusting in Jesus, then he could have died. Because we're not sure when people are going to die. But we do know that today is the day of salvation. 
So Paul, he says, look, I just got to tell this one more person about Jesus. I got to tell this one more person about Jesus. This person. Because if I don't tell him, who will? So he's just bold as I'll get out. And God blesses it. And he ends up getting all these different Christians to become bold about Jesus as well. I mean, it's an amazing thing to see. And so then in the next couple of verses, what's happening is that these people, some of them are trying to preach the gospel out of goodwill. I mean, they're doing it because they love Paul, because they want to do good for Paul, and they want people to be saved, and they have the heart that Paul has, and they, they've, uh, they've grabbed his boldness, and they just want to do good because they know that people are dying and going to hell. They're just doing what the Lord wants. And then on the other side, in these next couple of verses, you see that some people are doing it out of uh, envy and strife because they don't love Paul. They want to make matters worse for Paul. Remember, he's on trial. Maybe they're preaching the gospel to maybe make things worse for his trial. I mean, what, whether or not that was it, they did not like him and they wanted things to become worse for him. So they're preaching the gospel. And then in verse, verse 18 or 19, I think it's verse 18, he says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and that's why I rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. You know, that was a very convicting thing for me. And every now and again, it still is. Because Paul had people that were trying to make his life worse. He had people that cared about him. And instead of saying, hey, guys, stop trying to make my life worse, he said, as long as Christ is preached, it is all okay. Because his joy was found in what God had called him to do, to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, how many times do I lose my joy because something doesn't go my way? How many times do I... Do I focus on myself and my own circumstances? And oh man, this is so bad for me because somebody threw the track that I gave them down. It offended me. Oh no. I don't want to talk to that man about Jesus. He just yelled at me. Oh man, I can't, I can't talk to other people about Jesus today. I don't have time. How many times do I let my own desires get in the way of the furtherance of the gospel. You see, Paul's joy came because Christ was preached. That ought to be our hearts as well. Christ preached. That should be our hearts because it was the Lord's heart. It was God's heart. In 1 Timothy, I think it was 4, it was God's will that all men might be saved. God wants everybody around the world to be saved. The cool thing about it is that he wants to use us to make it happen. But it's not going to do it the way that the Lord wants if we're not going to be bold about Jesus the way that Paul was. I want to challenge you to be bold like Paul was. And then we get to verse 20. And this is, this is everything. This is Paul's heart. He just shares everything with us. He's a lot more emotional guy than I am, but man, this verse is one of my favorites. I say that about every other verse, but verse 20, look at it. It says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, 
that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. See, Paul's desire was to not be ashamed. He said with everything in him, he wanted to stay bold because he's a very, very smart man. I mean, imagine if the great missionary, great apostle Paul was ashamed of Jesus. Imagine how many people would not be in heaven right now because of it. We know that if Paul was ashamed of Jesus, verse 13 would never have come into place. His bonds in Christ would not have been manifest. The gospel would not have been getting out. We know that in verse 14, his fellow brethren would never have been been bold about Jesus because that only became because of his boldness. We know that jailer had had never found Christ if Paul was not bold. You see, Paul realized the vitalness of being bold about Jesus. So instead of being ashamed, people would not hear and would not get saved. He says, look, I want to be bold about Jesus because I know how vital the gospel is. You know, I, to finalize my missionary training, I spent six months in a foreign field. I wasn't able to go back to South Africa because, I don't know, six years there kind of makes it not as foreign. But I spent six, year, or six months in Peru, South America uh, with uh, a couple of diff- different missionaries. I think you guys may support the McCormicks, if I'm not mistaken. He was there, and I'd like to brag on him because uh, uh, he's doing an amazing job down there. But uh, I went down there not speaking a lick of Spanish. And I knew I, if I wanted to tell people about Jesus, I need to learn Spanish. And so uh, I've lost a lot of my Spanish since then, so please don't uh, judge me. But I went down there, and behind my apartment was a, uh, it was like a little park. And there was about 30 guys my age playing soccer one day. So I was like, you know what, if I'm going to play, I might as well make friends while I, I practice my Spanish. So I go over to the park, and there's 30 guys my age, and I already stand out like a sore thumb. I mean, I am this tall, and the average Peruvian my age is about this tall. He's a little bit darker than me with black hair. I mean, <clears throat> and on top of that, I don't speak Spanish. But I go over there to these guys, and I go, Hola, como estas? <laughs> and for those who don't speak Spanish, I sound like a giant white guy, truth be told. <laughs> and the reason I know is because whenever I went there, whenever I said that, all the Peruvian guys stopped playing soccer. I mean, the ball was still in play. It was rolling. And they stopped, looked at me, and started laughing. And I was like, what did I get myself into? And so I started going there more and more. And I started learning more Spanish. And I was able to invite people to church. And uh, my roommate bought a 1987 Volkswagen Beetle. And we fit 11 people into that thing to bring to church. Like, God was blessing. (coughs) I mean, it was amazing. I don't know how we did it. I thought the car was going to break in half every Uh, every bump that we hit, Uh, but uh, it was awesome. But I remember one of the guys that ended up starting to come. Uh, His name was Luis Fernando. And as I was getting better at Spanish, uh, uh, something that was really important to me growing up, uh, I got saved at VBS, but the only reason I went was because I was bribed by candy and Coke. And so that's what I do a lot of times with other guys, is I'll bribe them to go out to lunch with me or something, I'll talk to them about Jesus. Because uh, that worked on me. But I bribed Luis Fernando to go out to eat with us and to, uh, uh, I'd buy him a Coke and some pizza. 
So he came out, and uh, it was Mitch McCormick, me, and some of my other friends I was witnessing to, and Luis Fernando came. And I started talking to Luis, uh, to Luis about Jesus. Of course, this is all in Spanish. My Spanish is not very good, uh, but uh, so I, I'm like as blunt as possible because I don't know how to, you know, beat around the bush. So I'm just like, you're dying and going to hell. Uh, you don't know Jesus. And so he is like blown away by how, uh, how blunt I'm being because in Peru you're kind of supposed to be, you know, a little, uh, I guess, hospitable. Uh, but I'm just like, you're going to hell because you don't know Jesus. But I was able to share John 3.16 with him because I, I was able to share the Bible. It was amazing. Uh, share John 3.16. Por qué de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado a su Hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que en él cree no se pierda mas tenga vida eterna. I started sharing Jesus Christ with Luis Fernando and Luis ended up coming to church. Uh, he got connected with Mitch McCormick uh, and it was funny because uh, it was actually through um, uh, an online uh, game that uh, he was playing. Uh, Mitch just jumped on to play with him just to get connected with him. He ended up coming to church and getting saved. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, God blessed it. He's, he's been uh, baptized since then, and I think Mitch is discipling him as we speak. I mean, God has blessed it. But what shook me was what happened afterwards. Because Luis Fernando, uh, he said that a couple weeks before he met us at the park, his best friend ended up committing suicide. And he was really shook up about it because his best friend was... Uh, a devout Catholic, and he knew that Catholics, if they, trust, if they don't trust in Jesus solely, they're going to hell. He was really shook up about it. But then he said, he said something that kind of shook me because he said, you know, I thought since my best friend was not in this world anymore <clears throat> that there was nothing left for me either. He said so he was going to kill himself too. And he said, but then I met Jesus. And it made me realize if, if Mitch and I were not bold enough to go to that park that one day and to just tell him about Jesus, he'd be in hell for all of eternity as we speak. You see, we don't know when people are going to die. We don't know when we're going to die. And that's why it's so vital to tell everybody about Jesus today. Because they need to hear about Jesus before they go pass away. We can't force them to accept Jesus. That's not our job. Our job is to tell them about the glorious gospel. And I think that's what Paul, Paul wanted. He said with everything in him, he wanted to preach Christ. To be bold as always. And then he says, so that Christ shall be magnified, made big in my body, whether it be by life or by death. See, he was willing to give everything up for it. He was willing to sacrifice anything so that people could hear about Jesus. I want to challenge you to be willing to sacrifice everything so that people could hear about Jesus. Because my dear friends, let me tell you that these, these people around the world their souls are worth more than our success. They're worth way more than all of our money. Worth more than our time. They're worth more than the American dream. 
I want to challenge you to be willing to sacrifice everything that God wants from you so that these people can hear about Jesus. Truth be told, some of you in here, Lord may have wanted you to actually sacrifice your life and go across the field. Truth be told, some of you, Lord wants here so that people around here could hear about Jesus. But I truly believe that God wants each and every one of us to sacrifice so that people could hear about the gospel. Because he really wants people to be saved. And our temporal success here on earth is not worth the eternal souls. So let's do everything that we can. Let's be bold as as Paul was bold about Jesus. Because we saw what happened when Paul was bold. We can do something. We can reach this world with the gospel. We've just got to be willing to sacrifice for it and be bold so that they can hear. Let's pray and the pastor can come up. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. Lord, please bless the pastor. He's a great man of God. He's got a great church here, and I know that that reflects his great leadership. Lord, please bless him beyond measure. I pray that you would help us to focus on you with our lives, as that is what's going to bring us joy. I love you, and I'll give you praise for it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor.